Welcome to the Progressaholic Podcast. At Progressaholic, we highlight stories of individuals dedicated to the progress of self and society to educate you on creating impact within yourself and the communities that you operate in. Thank you so much for tuning in. And today we have with us Pradeep Sangha. Now, Pradeep is widely known as the strategist for men in business and teaches men how to become a profit-multiplying powerhouse. His personal mission is to help men grow their businesses massively, increase their personal fulfillment in life, and improve their relationships with their wife and kids. He is the founder behind the movement, hashtag men who win, men who are mindful alpha males. So Pradeep, thank you so much for taking the time out to be here. Hey, thanks. I appreciate you having me. It's, uh, it's an honor. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Um, so just to sort of give our listeners a little bit more context, could you tell us a little bit more about your background, uh, sort of leading up to where you are right now? Yeah. Wow. Uh, how far do you want me to go back? Cause I, I <laughs> <laughs> like, let's, let's say the last like 10 years, super brief, like sort of what's been like your life trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 10 years is a good timing because that's when I moved over from British Columbia, the other side of the country over to the Toronto area. So uh, I was actually headhunted by a company that just came out of a major uh, strike. And at that time, the economy had crashed as well. So they wanted a new leadership to take the business on a new direction. So I I came over basically to help them out. And uh, I was uh, living the life of a successful entrepreneur. I was living, uh, uh, basically, I'd led pretty much every major division in a corporation of that size, which was marketing, sales, operations, administration. And so life was, life was great, you can say, but I also had, uh, I have an entrepreneurial spirit. I've always dabbled in that my entire life. I come from a family business, for example, and uh, I just was getting tired of the corporate world. The, you can say the values weren't completely aligned there in terms of where I wanted to be. I saw a ton of opportunity in helping entrepreneurs and business owners really move their businesses forward. And I literally just walked into work one day and I quit. And uh, from there, I I started my coaching and consulting firm. And and since then, I've been helping entrepreneurs grow their businesses. So um, that includes coaches, that includes other consultants, that includes uh, uh, any type of business owner, really helping them to grow and scale their business. And I focus specifically on men because I also have a niche uh, in terms of expertise, in terms of the work that I do, Mm -hmm. not only from a psychology, but on neuroscience perspective in terms of how men operate. Okay. And so, you know, that's my passion is because I want to help men really be successful in their business because men will spend evenings and weekends working and sacrifice themselves uh, to provide for their families. Yeah. That's just the way men are built and it's not doing any good for anybody. It's not doing any good for them. It's not doing any good for their spouses. It's not doing any good for their kids because a lot of kids are growing up without their parents around. Yeah. And that's, that's a challenge. So my goal is to really help entrepreneurs be more successful yeah. in business so they don't have to spend that time away from their families and so that the kids of the next generation can just live happier and healthier lives. Yeah. So that's in a nutshell, that's kind of what I do. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Thanks a lot for sharing. And sort of, um, so you work with a lot of business owners and um, that means that entrepreneurship is something that you deal with on a daily, daily basis. Maybe what's something that like, 
you'd say like one of the biggest misconceptions people you've seen, maybe business owners or just people around business owners that have like about entrepreneurship? Well, if, if someone hasn't been an entrepreneur or they're wanting to get into it, the biggest uh, misconception is that, um, you know, it's easy that you're guaranteed to win. You're not. You know, you're not, and it's, it takes a specific type of personality to be an entrepreneur. I can tell you, I faced challenges in my business numbers, uh, numerous times. Yeah. Um, and so you have to be able to get through those tough times. You have to be able to believe in yourself when no one else believes in you. Yeah. And so, and it's not easy. And, you know, people will say that there's even successful people out there that say, you know, become an entrepreneur, go into entrepreneurship yeah. because they forget about the tough times that they went through. Yeah. And so they don't talk so much uh, about struggles because there are a lot of struggles, right? There are a lot of times where you're just sitting there, there's self-doubt. You're yeah. wondering what's going on. You know, are you ever going to make it? Yeah. But you can if you hold in, uh, hang in there. So you just got to have that commitment and that, and that grit, you can say, yeah. to get through. But was there any like maybe personal experience that you could share with us where you went through your own journey of sort of that self-doubt and then you were able to come, come out of that? Oh, absolutely. I can tell you um, when I left the corporate world, so I left kind of, you can say as, as the hotshot because I was known for what I did. I was very good at what I did. And anybody, anytime that they wanted to have something done, they were like, give it to Pradeep because he'll get it done. Okay. And so I had created this reputation, right? It was almost like a status thing. And when I left, I felt like a nobody because I hadn't, and no reputation anymore in a completely different industry, right? I went from being an executive to a business coach and a consultant, for example, helping mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, but I didn't have a reputation. So I was looking at people like you can say Gary V, like Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. um, all these guys out there that have millions of followers. And I was, I was total self-doubt because I was comparing myself and I said, who the heck am I? Yeah. And what am I going to be able to do? And I, in all honesty, it was self-defeating for a number of months because yeah. I just kept saying, you know what, what I, I was focused on the wrong things. Yeah. And so I just kept tripping over myself. I kept mm-hmm. tripping over myself and, and focusing on comparing myself and feeling less of myself. Yeah. And then I just kind of figured it out because it was just more about delivering value than anything else. And when I stuck with um, what I was good at, you can say, and why I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and having a true, genuine, you can say, desire to help people, everything just kind of fell together. Yeah. And sort of, I like the the point that you brought about the self-doubt and those self-defeating thoughts. And that sort of links me to the mindset part of things. Because I remember like one of your LinkedIn articles, um, there was an article called, Your Mindset Determines Your Revenue. Uh, revenues. And I read that and I thought it was beautiful. And so you spoke about where it's like, it's the persona identity that you bring to the table. sort of when you were faced with a challenge and you also, I think spoke about the idea that it was like when you were working with business owners, you were actually working with their mindset a lot more than just the processes. It was like a 70, 30 split. So could you elaborate yeah. a little bit more on that? That's, that was something that like blew my mind away personally. Yeah, absolutely. So when I got into uh, the, the coaching consulting world, my goal was to help them with their business. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I would tell them all these, uh, give them all these strategies to grow their business. And I very soon found out, I'm like, they're not executing or if they are executing, they're not executing very effectively. Yeah. And then it took me back to a time because I sat there, I was getting frustrated. It took me back to a time I was a personal trainer at 17 and I used to help people get fit, but I could give someone the exact blueprint to get fit, but they wouldn't, 
do it because there's something underlying that would stop them. Yeah. And so I said, okay, pretty, because my passion as well, and I've been studying this for 20 years is, is neuroscience and neuropsychology. Okay. And so how we operate as human beings really determines our success levels, yeah. right? And that's why I say the mindset determines your revenues. And so in working with business owners, I was a little bit thick at first because I didn't want to go down that path. Yeah. But I had to really focus on them versus their business more. So I was focused on them, getting them to be the leader yeah. that they needed to be in order to execute on the business strategies effectively. Okay. So if you give someone a blueprint to do something, but they're not ready to do it, they don't have the right mindset or the emotional state to do it, they're yeah. not going to execute it well. So my main focus right now, I would say even 75% of it, is focusing on the individual, focusing in on their levels of confidence, the clarity that they have, the certainty that they have, how they make decisions. And I teach them all of this stuff. Yeah. So they understand themselves hmm. so that they are able to, you can say, unlock their full potential yeah. and really determine what is stopping them. Yeah. And so when I do that, it's really that approach of you teach a man to fish and he'll be able to fish forever. Yeah. That's the approach I take. And so it's very important for anybody out there to understand you, you spoke about one thing in particular, identity. Yeah. Identity is core because that's who we believe we are. Yeah. And it is core to everything that we do because our brain, if you think about it, is just hardware and it's programmed by this software system that we have. And this software, think of it as your identity. Okay. And if your software, if you're telling yourself you're not successful, that you're not a confident person, that's part of your core identity. That's how your brain is going to act out. That's how you're going to be physically. Yeah. And it actually gets down to the cellu cellular level yeah. that that's how your immune system operates. That's how your body starts to operate. So that's why you see people like, you know, I talk, you know, someone like Kobe Bryant, you know, the rest in peace. Um, but why do you think, you know, someone that has borderline, you could say cocky, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and a lot of times he was, but that was his identity. And he knew that he was the best player out there. That was the identity that he created for himself. And as a result, he was able to live that out. Nice. So to get to where you want to be in life, you have to start acting like that person first. Okay. That's where identity comes in. Oh, interesting. And sort of, is it like you take up different identities at different parts of your life or in different aspects of your life and you just play that role in that specific, specific sort of situation? Yeah, that's a cool part about having identities because you, in different environments, you have to act differently. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, people think I have to be the exact same person in every environment. Like as a man, I have to be the exact same person when I'm dealing with my business with my wife, with my kids, with my in-laws, whatever it is. No, in fact, they have a term for uh, someone that has the same identity in every single uh, circumstance, and that's called personality disorder. <laughs> so so when, you, when you're in different environments, yeah. you actually should be flexing or yeah. trying out a new identity. So I have, for my kids, for example, I have, uh, you know, when I want to be in a fun mode with them, my identity is Disney dad, right? Yeah. And so I, I play that identity and it works out well. So it's like putting on a different hat. Yeah. And the reason why you do that is because you're basically switching your, your brain to say, this is how I want you to act. Okay. Yeah. This is how I want you to make decisions. Yeah. That's in alignment with is this identity. Okay. Most people don't do that. Their brain 
is first of all, they haven't even created their own identity in the first place. Yeah. And secondly, their brain is telling them what to do. And that's why people end up doing the same old thing over and over again. Yeah. Just to clarify, would you say brain and mind as well, or you would say just the brain? Well, your, your mind is, is basically a construct of the thoughts that are produced by your brain. Okay. And what ends up happening is our brain is, is billions of neurons, billions of cells. And think of all these cells that have come together in specific ways based on your life circumstances. Yeah. And so that creates your hardware eventually because you've programmed yourself to be that way over so many years. And so in a lot of ways, you have to deprogram yourself and create that new identity. And once you do that, you actually will change. Most people don't, uh, you know, 10, 20 years ago, people said, well, actually 20 years ago, people said you can't change your brain cells. You can't grow new brain cells. Well, that's been proven false. You can actually reprogram your mind, how your brain cells actually work together. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And sort of... Linking of that, and uh, like you also spoke about this idea of being able to leverage your thoughts, emotions, and energy. Yes. Um, sort of become a profit multiplying powerhouse. Sort of how important is using those three, um, like the thoughts, emotions, and energy to sort of take yourself to that next step in life? Well, that, that's a fundamental principle because if you take a look at how we are as human beings, we experience life in three different ways. Okay. And this makes up the human experience. It is we think, right? Therefore, yeah. we have thoughts. Yeah. We feel, therefore, we have emotions, for example. Yeah. And we also sense, which is a form of energy. Yeah. So thoughts, emotions, and energy are the three ways that we experience life as yeah. a human. Yeah. And here's how most people go around life. They are misaligned in one of these three areas or more. So I can give you an example. Someone might be a go-getter and be like, okay, this is awesome. And they are thinking great thoughts. You know, even on an emotional level, they're pretty good. Yeah. But they might not have the energy because they might not be eating healthy. They might not be exercising. And so they don't have that level of energy to drive themselves further even more. Or they might be working out and they might be positive. I hear this all the time. You know, I have a great positive mindset. And then when I ask them, well, how do you feel? What's your emotional state? Oh, they're not fully aligned from their emotions. If you want to be a powerhouse, you have to have all three aligned. It's like complete alignment. When you have that alignment, it feels like nothing can stop you. You know, it just, it's like you can take like a boulder is coming your way. You're just going to push it. You're just going to knock it out and just keep going forward. Any challenge comes your way, you're able to get through it. That's by aligning those three areas, your thoughts, your emotions, and your energy levels. And would that also be like within maybe like a team setting as well? Um, Like, is it, is it important to make sure that you align the team's thoughts, um, emotions, and energy as well? Or is that more on a personal level? Uh, Well, well, this is the big, this is like Pandora's box that you open up here. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Because your team as human beings, and as you can say, uh, even at the cellular level, we interact differently when different people are around. Okay. So even one person that doesn't have the same level of energy in the group or same thought, and we've all experienced it, might be a little bit negative, throws off the complete team. Yeah. So it absolutely impacts it. So yes, you should be aligned completely as an individual and more aligned as a team. You'll never be perfectly aligned, right? You will never have the same thoughts. You will never have the same emotions. You will never have the same energy levels. But relatively, you should be within a certain range. Yeah. 
And sort of that, because I remember one of your other articles, uh, you spoke about um, the like the articles. It was you may be the reason why your team has conflict, and that's why I sort of bought this up just to circle yeah. back on it. So you spoke about the idea of like having a vision is great. It's great. It's amazing, but actually executing on it on it is what matters. So yes. I would love if you could like elaborate a little bit more on that because that was something that was really cool that I, I thought personally. Yeah, absolutely. So vision is great. Thought is great. Um, speaking about things is great, but unless you're actually going to get get it done, yeah. right, there's no point. And so execution is the biggest thing. Action is the biggest thing that you need to to move forward. And again, the first part of, of your statement or question was about, you know, if your team's not performing well, it's on you. Yeah. It absolutely is because the buck stops at you as a leader you're ultimately the individual. So when someone comes to me, a business owner comes to me and says, Hey, look, you know what? I want to grow my business, but my team's not performing or I want them to, and I don't start with a team. I start with that person. Yeah. Because you think about it, that behavior is a result of what the leader is allowing to happen or not managing well, or not creating the environment for that to happen. And so if a person on their team isn't living up to their standards, yeah, well, it's up to the leader to make sure they are. And if they're not, then you get rid of that person. Okay. And sort of that begs me to ask the question then, what are sort of the, sort of you say the key components of good leadership that at least you've seen in like today's day and age? Oh yeah, absolutely. So leadership, I find is first of all, yeah, you do have to have a vision. Okay. You have to, just by core definition, your leader has to have a vision. It has to be able to bring people together. Yeah. So what makes a great leader? You have to have strong communication skills. Okay. You have to understand what motivates people. Yeah. Um, there's this thing called integrity as well. I'm a firm believer in integrity and you, and having values. And so what are your values? Because as a leader, you want to align yourself with people that have similar values to you. Okay. That's how you're actually going to get stuff done. If you're a leader and you have different values than your team members, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough because they might not, they might look at one of your ideas and say, nah, you know what? That's not great. This person is just in it for themselves or whatever it is. Or if you have team members that are in it for themselves, don't align with your values. If you are more about giving to people, you know, it throws everything off. So have your, your values aligned. So there's other things like creativity. There's other things like innovation, but your ability to get results, bring people together, and ultimately there's accountability, right? Because as a leader, by definition, it's about getting results. Yeah. That's what it is. I see a lot of people talking about, you know, being kind and stuff like that. Yes, you absolutely need to, you have to value everybody on your team, but it doesn't matter if you have all the other skills in the world as a leader, but if you don't get results, then you're not the leader that you need to be. Yeah. I just want to unpack that a little bit. So sort of, on the values perspective, um, how do you screen for values when you're um, maybe like when you're hiring internally for a new team or externally? Like, how do you screen for the right values at that at that point? Sort of. Oh, uh, so it's a lot easier these days because you can scope out people's social media profiles, <laughs> and you'll be able to see what they value. Okay. Um, so, an exercise that I like to do, for example, is a process of elimination: is get someone to list their top. 15 values. And then you say, well, you know what, out of, you know, if you could get rid of any one of these values, 
you know, which one would they be? And then you kind of go down the process and you're left with the top 10 values that these people yeah. live with. And then you can get them to order them in, in, um, in order of importance. That's the other thing with values too. It's not just the values, yeah. but also the order of importance because you and I may, for example, value family. It might be on our top 10 list, yeah. but you may value family. Uh, you may have it as number one or two. I might have it as number 10. Yeah. So there's still a difference there because you're going to make decisions differently. The reason why I say values is values are what we really use. Our values and our belief system is what we use to make decisions. Okay. And so that is important. The other thing with values, which is really interesting, is how people define them. So again, one word doesn't just define what family means. Yeah. Um, I'll just use a personal example. Um, values, of, uh, when it came to family, my wife and I are both very much uh, val- uh, family oriented, yeah. but we have a different perspective of value, uh, a family. For her, she comes from a smaller family, so it's more of her immediate family. Yeah, I come from a massive family, so it's more about extended family. Okay. So when we when we to have conversations about family and priorities, it's yeah. completely different. Yeah. Um, because I'm always talking about my extended family and she's always talking about her immediate family. Yeah. So sometimes there can be a little bit of conflict there or tension there as well. Yeah. So keep that into mind because everybody looks at how they define values differently. Yeah. And thanks for that. that. That was, you clarified that beautifully. So thank you. Thanks a lot for that. And I want to move on to the other part of that. We said accountability. Um, would that be that? So for example, um, when someone makes a mistake in the team, you hold them accountable or you take up the blame for everything else? Because I remember I was watching a documentary recently about Lululemon. Lululemon's growing like crazy. And they know that 20% of all the decisions that their store managers make will definitely be mistakes. And they're okay with them making mistakes as long as they're accountable for those mistakes. And they, mm-hmm. learn, they learn from them. So yes. Sort of. How do you see that accountability piece? Sort of? Yeah, there's, in, in my opinion, there's, there's uh, three levels of accountability. Ultimately, as the leader, you are ultimately accountable okay. for everything, right? So that's, that's where it stops. That's the line. So if something's not happening with your organization, your business, your team, it's because you need to do something about it. The second piece is, yes, self-accountability. Yeah. Every individual that you have on your team when you're hiring or anything in sports or any part of it uh, is the person as individuals, we need to hold ourselves accountable. Yeah. Right. That's important. That's the most important thing as a human being, I think, is when you have self-accountability, you actually get a lot more done. You actually move forward in life a lot more. Yeah. The other thing is holding each other accountable. Okay. Right. So team members need to be holding each other accountable when they're seeing that, look, it's not just pointing fingers. It's more about constructive accountability right? Mm-hmm. Hey, look, I saw that you didn't do this. Have you thought about doing this? Or is something bothering you? Is there something I can help with? Yeah. But then eventually it becomes, you know, the next level where, okay, you're not holding your end of your end of the bargain. Yeah. You know, we need to, we have a further conversation about this. Yeah. So accountability is one of the biggest things I, I, I would see that I see lacking in people yeah. these days that stop them from getting what they want out of life. And also, do you think that maybe the more accountable you are, the more open you are to actually learning from your mistakes and moving on as well? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I, I believe that there is. Yeah, I believe that there's a direct correlation because if I'm holding myself accountable, there's also a desire to do better, right? And that desire to do better means that, hey, look, I need to learn something because obviously the degree of knowledge that I have or skills right now isn't getting me the results that I'm looking for. Yeah. So therefore I need to learn something new. 
Yeah. And I know that like just, just thinking about like just sort of building on the idea of learning. Um, there was another article of yours. Sorry. I just read a lot of your articles. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It, um, it was, it spoke about like what I learned from traveling the world and in that you spoke about one thing that your grandfather said, and that touched me personally, that there's nothing more important than learning. It's something that he told you and sort of that's something that you've taken up. That's what you said. And sort of how is that constant urge to learn like helped you in your personal journey? Uh, well, it's the reason why I'm here right now, why I've had, you can say, um, the, not just uh, the failures, but also the successes in life yeah. and why I am the person that I am. Uh, by far, that's the number one thing that I hold most important in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm a constant learner. Mm-hmm. I am in my social circle and I'm not just, I'm not tuning my own horn, but that's just how I live is I'm constantly learning constantly reading, constantly developing new skills. Yeah. Because I believe that that's what moves us forward in life. Not everybody has that drive, but I definitely do. And I know it's definitely contributed to where I am in life for sure. 100%. And are there like any specific daily habits that you have that you use to like take time out in a day to maybe like learn on a daily? Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can let you know right now. So my daily morning routine um, is basically the first thing I do when I get up is I meditate. And the reason why I meditate is because it clears my mind and it opens me up to start the day off in a completely new way without having previous thoughts. Yeah. And so that's the most important thing. There's actually another, you know, we can talk about it later if you like, but there's a lot of other benefits from a brain perspective as well. Okay. Um, and so I do that. And then I also read for 15 minutes just immediately right after I meditate. But I also speed read, right? So I, I, my speed reading, I learned that years ago, decades ago, because it enables me to read three or four times more than yeah. the average person. Yeah. So 15 minutes is actually an hour. And every basically... Uh, every time I have downtime, when I am doing something throughout the day, whether it's cooking something or traveling or driving or whatever that is, I'm always reading or I'm always listening to a book constantly. I don't listen to music. I don't watch very much TV unless it's with my family. Um, I'm constantly doing that. Um, part of my daily routine is also working out, right? Cause that helps you from a mental clarity capacity as well. Okay. So yes, I'm constantly learning from that standpoint. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, and sort of, sort of linking of that, um, I know that when you're learning, you're growing, and it's also the ability to learn from maybe personal experiences uh, that makes us grow. Sort of maybe what's like one personal experience that you will quote unquote call a failure, and then it was your ability to learn from that failure that like transformed your life or took you to the next level in your life. Sure. Yeah. It was my first relationship that you can say it was with my, um, my high school sweetheart. We were together for like eight or nine years and I thought I was going to get married. I had kids with her, uh, totally in love with her, but it just didn't go that well. I, I don't think I had the skills from a relationship standpoint that I needed to have at that time. And I don't think she did either. So it was a combination approach. But what ended up happening was I was so devastated that I really sat down and I said, what makes a relationship work? And I reached out to some of the top relationship psychologists in the US. I I, I just, just like anything else, I learned as much as I could and understood the psychology of men and women. And that's why I actually am able to work with men right now because of that, that was one of the key, you can say, 
peace catalyst that led me to have these this skill and expertise in working specifically with men. Yeah. Because I can understand men now, inside and out, the challenges that we go through, the behaviors that we have, the emotions that we have. Yeah. Um, and so there's, I don't think there's, you know, anything that a, a guy can say that I can say uh, th- that I haven't heard before, I haven't understood before, and yeah. that I can't help them through. Yeah. So, Actually, sorry, just sort of uh, linking of that. Um, so, I know a lot of our audience are either been through relationships, are in relationships, or will in the future be in relationships. Sort of maybe because you've done that research where you've contacted people who are in that field. Um, what's like maybe like three takeaways? like three main takeaways that you took from that experience or just from like how relationships work that helped you with your next relationship, for example. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the first thing is that men and women are different. So I'm talking about a heterosexual relationship, you know, um, even with between uh, in homosexual relationships, Mm -hmm. the two partners are different. So remember that our brains are different from that standpoint. A man's brain is different than a female's brain. We think differently. And so you cannot expect your partner to have the same thoughts or the thought patterns that you do. That is the biggest mistake I make uh, made and I sometimes continue to make. Uh, So it's not that it's just a perfect journey, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is go into a relationship to give. Okay. Right? Not necessarily get. You will naturally get. But focus on giving. When two people focus on giving, then you have an awesome relationship. Yeah. because uh, that's what, what it's all about. A lot of people go into relationships to get, and that doesn't work out very well. Yeah. Um, sorry, do you have a question? No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, no, no. Sorry, I thought you had a question there. Uh, the, th- the third thing when it comes to relationships is really understanding the core difference between feminine energy and masculine energy. Now, this is completely different. Most people aren't aware of this. Most people haven't been exposed to this. Most people, when they hear this, they know it makes sense, but they're just kind of like, wow, this is something new. Yeah. But there's masculine and feminine energy in both men and women. Okay. But there's different degrees. In men, you have more masculine energy. Masculine energy is calm. It's very peaceful. It's very rigid. It's very strong, for example. Yeah. And it's very goal oriented and focused. That's how majority of heterosexual men operate. Yeah. The feminine energy, yeah. it, which men have as well, but females have more of it, is more, you can say, flowing. It's more creative. Okay. It also likes to stir the pot a little bit. It's more about variety. Yeah. It's more about testing. And it's more about love and connection. Yeah. And so we have to understand that as men, we have to embrace both sides. Yeah. And it, women have to embrace both sides. What's happening in society these days, there's a massive confusion because men, uh, especially the younger generation now, it started to happen more when I was younger, yeah. but it's been uh, more prominent now, is that men are being trained to be more like women and women are being trained to be more like men. And it's throwing off our natural energies and it's throwing off relationships. Okay. So um, just be aware of that in a relationship because you have to have the, they're just like magnets, two polar yeah. opposite ends of it, the energy spectrum for a man and a woman to be attracted to each other and stay attracted to each other long-term. Yeah. And let me give you a practical example. A lot of men right now are being taught that, you know what, uh, being too masculine is a bad thing. Okay. Uh, 
And, and so they're going to a relationship and be like, oh, well, you know what, honey, should I do this? Or honey, should I do that? Yeah. Well, that's great to a certain point. Yeah. But women are being trained to be a little bit too masculine and too go-getter. So they're kind of like, you know what, I want to be the executive woman. I want to be the boss at home. Yeah. And that doesn't always work out well. So a lot of guys these days need to step it up. And I hear a lot of women saying, I want more of a masculine man. Yeah. It's happening more and more. Just be more aware of it. That's all. Yeah. And what feels natural to you. That's yeah. the biggest thing. Yeah. No, thanks a lot for breaking that down. That was really, really helpful. And the second, the second point that you said was going to a relationship to give. Um, I think that mindset is great uh, personally. Um, but would you say that translates maybe onto even your friendships, your relationships with your families, with everyone, and sort of maybe a personal example of how that mindset of giving has helped you out personally? Yeah. You know, it's some, it's, I'm not going to take credit for this because this wasn't my saying, yeah. but there's a quote or a saying that, you know, it's someone, uh, the amount of stuff that you can get is always restricted, okay. right? You have no control over that. I can't control how much stuff people give me or how much love people give me, yeah. but I have unlimited access and control over how much love I give. Okay. So I can give as much as I want and no one can stop me. And that feeling of giving, it is so incredible because you know, when you help someone out and yeah. you just have that euphoria, well, you can yeah. do that unlimited, yeah. right? That is just completely unlimited. Yeah. So you, absolutely. You should be doing that with every type of relationship that you have. Yeah. Um, but there's also a line to draw, right? Because if you go into a relationship, let's just say with a significant other and you're continuously giving, yeah. but that person isn't reciprocating, well, you're ultimately just going to get tired. You're going to burn out of giving and you're going to get resentful and you're going to start hating that person. Mm -hmm. So there's only so much you can give without someone reciprocating. Um, in a close relationship. So just be aware of that, right? If you're, if you, if you're, you know, not seeing someone all that often, it's a friend, you can give as much as you want. But if you're in a relationship, there's a time where you're just kind of like, you can't give yourself, you might be tired yeah. and you're looking to receive um, and you need to get that back. And it's okay to get that back. Yeah. Right? It's okay to be taken care of sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be, um, you can say doused in love by your, your partner. Um, that's okay as well. Yeah. And I sort of want to maybe link that topic of relationships to the idea of mentors and um, sort of how important you think mentors are personally and maybe give a personal example of a mentor that really helped you out. Yeah. I, everything in my life, everything that I have is a result of great mentors throughout my life. Uh, it started off with my grandfather who was uh, in, in the British Indian Army. He was a great mentor, uh, but he's also very spiritual, the most spiritual man I know. Uh, my, my dad was a mentor, um, you know, both from a great perspective, but my, my dad was also challenged. He's challenged with alcoholism. Okay. So I, he, I learned stuff from my dad that I wouldn't have learned from anybody else, uh, yeah. good and bad, but it's made me who I am. Yeah. And I thank him for that. My dad's no longer around, but I thank him for that every day because I am who I am because of that. And throughout the years, I've had friends, I've had family members. A lot of times right now in social media, as a result of social media and the access to the internet, we look to these big figures, uh, influencers yeah. for mentorship. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I can tell you the best mentors that I've ever had have never been famous, have never been necessarily wealthy, yeah. have always been, uh, had wisdom from real life experiences and have just been genuinely good people. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I think that was a very, um, like, I've, of course, 
I can definitely agree because some of my biggest mentors have been people that are not exactly the most famous, but that's a very different way to look at it because I think a lot of people think that mentors are someone that's like, they have to be extremely successful in a certain field or they got to be like right up there. Um, but sometimes the mentors can be right around us. And yes. thanks, thanks a lot for um, sort of breaking that down. Um, so I love to ask like sort of um, leading off that, that when it comes to business owners, um, what's something that you've seen a lot of business owners, as men, male business owners are currently struggling with in probably the current economy or just the current um, state? Um, and sort of how have you been able to tackle that? Yeah, wow. Uh, so it, it, I'm going to talk about it from a broad perspective first, and then I can talk about it from this specific economy. Most business owners struggle with clarity and confidence. Okay. Um, by far, they are, most business owners are in it because they have a good skill or they have a passion, but they don't necessarily how, know how they're going to get to their outcome. And because of that, they just don't have the clarity and they don't have the confidence in themselves yeah. to get there. Yeah. Um, from a technical standpoint, what, what hurts business owners the most in terms of their growth yeah. or what is the biggest problem that I help business owners solve? It's really profit growth and the lack of having enough clients yeah. uh, or customers. That's typically, I would say 80% of businesses are challenged with is not having enough growth from not having enough customers or clients. Yeah. Now in this particular environment, uh, businesses are challenged in so many different ways. Right? Yeah. People are not buying altogether. Yeah. We're having people, a cash flow is a big one for small businesses. If we take a look at the small business owner, they don't have the cash flows. Most business owners are living, and it's unfortunate, that's re the reason why I do what I do, are yeah. living the business owner's version of paycheck to paycheck. And a lot of business owners are actually in debt. They're in their line of credits or whatever, they, they've mortgaged their homes. Yeah. And so, uh, of massive, just from my own personal experience, I don't know what the real stats are. I haven't looked them up recently, yeah. but eight out of 10 business owners won't be able to survive this for the next three, four months. They'll, they'll have to shut their businesses down because they don't have the cash flow. Mm. Uh, so if my word of advice to you is going into entrepreneurship and, and owning a business yeah. is mitigate your risks, make yeah. sure that you have enough cash flow to last you at least a year, yeah. knowing that your business, let's just say, get zero new customers and zero new sales. Can you last for a year? Yeah. And maybe that just begs me to ask the question, considering the time of recording it right now with everything going on with COVID-19, maybe what's like, what would you say is like the mindset that a business owner should come in with to make sure that they can get through these next couple of months or God knows how long this is going to last. Yeah, there's the mi mindset and then there's the actual tactical piece. The mindset is you have to focus on the outcome and the outcome is getting through this. Yeah. And surviving this. That is the biggest thing. Don't get uh, bogged down by overwhelm. I, I'm seeing that a lot with business yeah. owners is they have so much on their plate. They're wondering, okay, now my, no one's buying my stuff. No one buys my stuff. I can't pay my mortgage. If I can't pay my mortgage, I'm going to lose my home. If I lose my home, where are my kids going to sleep and eat? Yeah. I'm going to be homeless. It's a chain reaction that becomes just completely overwhelming. Focus on the priorities one thing at a time. Yeah there's certain things you won't be able to control. Yeah. So there's no point. You're not going to be able to control the economy. Yeah. You're not going to be able to control the consumers that you currently have. Yeah. But here's a mindset that you have to have. And this is something that I grew up with because it's part of my academic uh, background is innovation. Is you have to be able to innovate. You have to be able to pivot. Business is essentially this. Well, let me tell you what business is not. Yeah. First of all, 
business is not your product or service. Business is not your technology. Business is not the people that you have on your team. Business is essentially this in one statement. It is your ability to create a customer and service a customer. That's what business is. So that's what you have to focus on. In any way that you can, you need to go out there and create a customer and service a customer. Okay. If you're a true entrepreneur, you'll understand that. Yeah. 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 No, thank you so much. That was, that was, that was incredible. Like I saw, what we saw my reaction, as soon as you said that, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, of course, like we're on a time crunch, but like before, before like you go on, I just wanted to ask you this one thing. I ask all my guests this, when you're the word progressaholic, like, what do you think? And like, maybe what's your definition of it? Yeah, my, my, uh, my definition is someone that just wants to keep moving, um, keep moving forward. So bettering themselves, wanting to grow, wanting to, I'm not going to say achieve yeah. because I think so many people are so achievement oriented these days that it kind of holds them back. Yeah. Um, but growing and learning is the most important thing from that. Um, on top of that, I do want to say one thing is to experience life as you do that. Yeah. yeah. Because if you're aiming for a target and you're continuously just looking at that target, yeah. you can just not, you're going to see your life go by. Yeah. So part of being a progressive holic, I believe is experiencing that as well and enjoying that every step of the way. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much, man. Uh, really, really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. You're taking the time out to be here and like dropping insane, insane, insane value in this time. Um, that's the first thing. And second thing is please, please tell our listeners where they can reach you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. I truly appreciate it. Um, I can see that you have a genuine intentions in terms of giving your audience value. So that's awesome. Um, for me, you can reach out to me on any social media channel, typically at Pradeep Sangha, or you could check out my website, which is PradeepSangha.com. Awesome. And yeah, I also have a podcast as well. It's called the Male Entrepreneur Podcast. So feel free to listen to that. Sure. Guys, I'm going to link those uh, below the description as well. But again, Pradeep, thank you so much at the bottom of my heart for taking the time out to be here. Yeah, thank you. If you liked any part of that, please, please, please leave us a review. It will mean the world to us. Please let us know your thoughts, how you think we can improve and continue providing more and more value to our community because we are here to serve you and make sure that you have the best time possible and continue progressing within your journey. Thank you very much. 